Welcome, friends, to the Book Dialogue. You are joining Rebecca and Sarah on another adventure and another book. And it truly is an adventure for me because I don't know one single thing about this book, but it looks pretty exciting. I see Sarah's notes are copious. I can always count on Sarah for a great and exciting discussion. I do believe that you bring out the best in me because I always have to be on my toes. That's what I'm here for, Sarah. (laughs) I am here for you. I am the epitome of kindness. (laughs) I, I giggle, but it is absolutely true. My sister is an amazing woman who truly allows me the opportunity to be able to explore things and pushes me to think through and be very judicious about how I view things. So thank you, Becky. Oh, you're welcome. I paid for that announcement with the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) It is an adventure because I have to be truthful. It took me about 10 minutes to work through how to say this author's name. It is not at all like it is spelt, but it is pronounced Mihai Chekmexihai. And he is um, an author from Eastern Europe who studies happiness. And I was drawn to the book because that really struck me as something that I would like to learn more about. I consider myself quite a happy person. You are. Well, thank you. No, you are. You really are, Sarah. It's, it's interesting because in the world that we live in right now, there's so many things around us that tend to create this environment of negativity. If we view the life through a positive lens, it actually changes the way we perceive these negative circumstances. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's all sorts of negative news. I think we need to put those aside and celebrate the good things in life. When I saw this book and I read a little bit about this individual who's a psychologist, he was talking about how he studies happiness. I thought, this is a book that I want to read because I would like to see what he is from an academic point of view, how he's approached how we are happy and becoming happy. Here's the thing, Sarah. There are copious, I love that word, copious books on happiness. They tell you how to be happy. They celebrate happiness. They make you want to be happy. They say how to do it. It's a do-it-yourself happiness trick. When you say academic and when you say happiness, what is so different about this person and what is his to-do list on how to become happy? Because we have a plethora. That's another great word, plethora, (laughs) of discussions on happiness because it is something that we seek, we want, we don't understand, we experience it at odd times, we can't quantify it. So speak on. What's the name? Well, the book is actually called Flow. And in it, he doesn't give you instruction or formula for happiness. What he really is working through is some of the underlying foundations of how we approach life and how we approach things in our life that will be a part of creating the optimal environment for happiness. Where this all came from is his experience in World War II. And as he looked at the people around him 
and he saw that there was a real dichotomy between the the population. There were those that it was bleak and it was dire and it was negative, but then he saw a number of people that they responded to their circumstances with positivity and with courage. They reached out to others and they had purpose and meaning in their lives. And it seems to me that as you go through this book, and I'm only going to talk about a couple of things about in the book, what seems to be at the core, purpose and meaning, and being very clear about what your purpose is and bringing meaning to your life. And that seems to be the kernel of where you have to start. So you're talking about purpose. Is that for you as opposed to a community? I think I know where you're going with this because one of the things I know that's really near and dear to your heart is the concept of community and the concept of giving back and engaging others rather than being standalone units of people that are only concerned with their own agendas and being very self-serving. Here's the question that I have. When you have purpose and when you have a community, you want to have validation from that community. So this is why I'm very interested in what he means by purpose, because I think it has to be centered first on the individual, on who we are. I agree with you a thousand percent, because I think at the end of the day, if you're all about giving, 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 you have nothing left for yourself. Well, and why are you giving? Because if it's just for personal self-satisfaction that you're giving, and you're one of the ones that just give, 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 you will be sorely disappointed with the outcome of that, because you'll just be tired. That if the only purpose you're giving is for validation and for those kudos and those strokes, because people are saying, oh, aren't you a nice person? Then really, are you truly giving for the purpose of giving, or are you giving for self-serving reasons? This book is specifically about building and creating an understanding around flow. And the way he describes flow is when you are involved in doing something to the degree that nothing else seems to matter. The experience is enjoyable so that you do it for the sake of actually doing it. And your attention is laser focused. And through all of this, you experience enjoyment and there is satisfaction and there is that sense of peace and and validation from an internal perspective. I think that when he talks about happiness, it's not that commercial kind of I'm happy, I'm smiling, I'm laughing, tell a joke and you're happy because you're you're laughing. It's much more deep-seated. It's an inner joy that comes out that isn't necessarily determined by your external circumstances, but that which is internal to yourself. So what's the difference between happiness and joy? Does he go into that? Because happiness is a different concept. I think where we're going, Sarah, which is so meaningful for me, is what is the definition of happiness and how does he bring it out? I think this is an excellent book. Happiness is not something that I believe he defines as being superficial. I think each of us have our own understanding of what happiness is and what joy is. And each of us have to come to that understanding of how we differentiate between the two. Because for many, joy and happiness are synonymous. And I think that for myself, in going through the process of understanding happiness, Happiness and joy for me are two very distinctly 
different things. And joy comes not necessarily from circumstances that are positive and uplifting, but actually is an underlying approach to life. Whereas happiness is a little bit more superficial from the perspective of you can be joyful in a circumstance that is negative, but you may not necessarily be happy. And that, to me, that's how I differentiate between the two. That's excellent, Sarah. It really is truly excellent. I like that. <laughs> Tell me the details. I'm going to go into two things. The book is quite long, and it's interesting if you get this book through Audible. They have an attached PDF that is actually done in a series of question and answers. He leads you through the process of self-actualization of how you can achieve flow. And it's a number of different senses. There's the physical sense, the spiritual sense, community, all of these things. But what I want to talk about briefly is two things. First of all, he has eight components that he identifies that you need to wrap your head around for enjoyment. Number one, you need to have a clear goal for what it is that you're hoping to achieve this flow that we talked about earlier. We just finished having a conversation just a little bit ago about milestones because the second thing is to have feedback. And that feedback is in the results of the milestones and the goals that you set along the way to achieving where you want to be. Then looking at challenge. You need to give yourself something that's challenging, that matches your skills, but pushes you a little bit further along. If it's not challenging enough, you will get bored. But if it's too challenging, then you end up with a frustration. You end up giving up because you can't see yourself achieving that flow. This whole thing about multitasking, we can talk about multitasking, but I haven't been able to do it. But you can't. That's the thing. So everyone talks about how good they are at multitasking, but it actually, you are not. Your brain cannot work that way. It doesn't. And so we need to put aside this whole idea that you can develop your multitasking skills. Single focus then refers into allowing flow to take you into immersing what is right in front of you is so critical to developing that sense of enjoyment and control. As much as he talks about controlling your environment and putting aspects in place that allow you to maintain this focus for developing flow. He does acknowledge that you're not always going to be able to control everything, but there are certain things. So if you are working on a project, put yourself in a situation where you know you're not going to be interrupted. Those are sorts of things that we he talks about. The idea of the loss of self-consciousness Forgetting yourself in this process, don't define yourself. Don't give yourself boundaries. Remind yourself that you actually are capable of more than you give yourself credit for. And then finally, he goes into the concept of when you hit that flow, that there is the transformation of time. You know how it is when you really enjoy something, how very quickly time passes? That's part of flow. What he does through this whole book is he creates a mechanism for you identifying and going through these individual processes that will allow you 
to cultivate an awareness of how you can achieve flow. Because I don't think that we ever arrive. We have to continually push ourselves further, but always set a goal. What he also goes into is the autotetic personality, because that's someone who can inject flow into every area of their life. And how he says they do that is by clarity, knowing what you want to do, focusing on that one thing. So again, no multitasking. Choice. Remember that you're not being forced to do this. This is something you have control over. This is a decision you've made. Don't try to pass the buck to somebody else. This is in your control. It's your choice. Challenge. Challenge yourself. Set yourself and your goals slightly higher than your current skill level. And I think that goes back to don't limit your... Remind yourself that you're capable of more than what you give yourself credit for. I like this book, and I can see that you like it. I do. And I think that it would be a very good read. Here's the comment. He says wonderful things. He has standards to be set. There's challenges. There's commitment. All of those things. It seems that you must be really in tune with yourself to do this. Because most of us don't have the self-discipline or don't see very clearly how we go about observing our success. Did he ever mention anywhere that you needed to have a kindred spirit to help you along the way? Absolutely. So this is another discussion (laughs) because these are all wonderful and I believe that they are very important. It's another checklist of what you need to do and it gives you parameters of how that works. But real life demands much of us. I particularly like that you are saying that you are implementing it, embedding it slowly with blocks of time. I think that is very important on what you're doing. Because otherwise, it's like going on a diet. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I do. On a diet, and it works for about three days. And then there is a time when you have that commitment challenged when the cake comes into view. (laughs) And you know that chocolate cake with that icing? Oh, Mm. it's an ice cream. Oh, So I would like to revisit this in a different format, talking about kindred spirits. How do you do it? How do you trust another person to help you along? This person's experience was very much like Victor Frankl's. Frankl's. And it means to me that these gems, because I think they are gems, what he's brought out, have come through hard work and through sacrifice and through sadness. Mm. All of those difficult things that we don't want to do. And yet, that is what gets us to that place, flow. I think you just summed up everything so well. First of all, you have to think about this incrementally, that you have to do it and be supported and encouraged by kindred spirits around you. Secondly, to remind ourselves that it is really in difficult times that we learn and grow the most. 
And that kind of drive and tenacity is something that we have to develop. And you say it so well when you say that we are often in our society, we don't have follow through. And that I think is one of the most essential skills that we can develop as people is that sense of follow through. Because without follow through, we actually will never achieve anything. And we end up with always blaming others, playing the victim. I didn't do it because. Remember, we have control. It is our choice. Well, I certainly appreciate you as a kindred spirit. You are amazing, Sarah, and I'm really enjoying our conversations. I love them. You know how much I look forward to these conversations with you. Thank you, gentle listeners, for sharing this experience with Rebecca and I. And I hope that you look forward to it as well. And we want to hear your insights and share your ideas on thebookdialogue.com and thebookdialogue.ca. Until next time, thank you, keep safe, and be well.